good to be saved, amen? It's good to know the Lord Jesus Christ to be our personal saviour. I don't think there's anything greater than to have that assurance that you know that when you die, you're going to be with the Lord. When, and uh, nothing in this world ever beats that assurance, especially when you're on your deathbed. When you know that you have Christ, you know that you have life eternal and that you will be with him forevermore. And I think it's one of the best things that we can have, uh, this assurance on this side of heaven. And uh, it's tremendous. It's wonderful. Like we sung, it's wonderful to be a Christian. Uh, it's not a religion. Christianity is not a religion. Man's, man has made it to be a religion. Christianity is about a personal relationship uh, with Jesus Christ, having that intimate relationship with the Lord, and nothing beats that. And, uh, and he said it very clearly in John 17, to know him is to know life eternal. To know him is to know life eternal. You can't separate the two. You can't say you have life eternal when you don't know him and you're known of him. And, uh, and this is why many in that day, will, he will say to them, I never knew you, depart from me. Why? Because they were basing their salvation on their religion and their works. And it's a sad thing for that person on that day. And so, I want to remind you here today, if you haven't yet trusted Jesus Christ as your personal saviour, maybe today will be the day. It's the best decision you can ever make, is to come to Christ, have your sin forgiven, and have a home in heaven. Amen? Amen. We're going to continue where we left off in Ephesians chapter number 5, and uh, we'll look at verse 15. And uh, notice what the Bible says there. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, uh, we do come before you once again this morning, and we do praise you and thank you, Father, for the good God that you have been to us. Father, you, you care about your people and you desire to see your people come to you and be saved from the ends of the earth. Doesn't matter who we are, where we're from, or what background, Lord, uh, we are, what age, what color. You desire for us to come to know your son and to know you and to know life eternal. Father, I pray this morning that you would minister to us through these series, uh, through your word, that you'd get a hold of us this morning, that we may continue to grasp the things of God, that they will be worked in our life, that we would walk in the newness of life, pleasing you. We pray that, Lord, you would uh, help us not be distracted, uh, look to the left or right, but I pray that you'd keep our hearts focused this morning on your word. Help me, Father. Convey your word to the hearts of these deep people here today. Give me wisdom and grace to minister your word to them effectively, plainly, with conviction and with love. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, this morning we'll continue, as mentioned, with part three in our series, A New Renewed Walk. Uh, in this series, we've been focusing on the practical aspect of what we have in Christ and how... Uh, as a Christian, we need to live as Christians. And the life that we have in Christ is not just positional, but it's also practical that needs to be lived out. We are followers of Christ. 
And we need to live like he lived in a way that is pleasing to God. And that takes day to day putting off and putting on. Putting off the old man and putting on the new man. Decisions that we have to make based upon the principles of God's word and the conviction of his Holy Spirit. We are at the second message under walking in wisdom. Last week we looked at walking circumspectly, in other words, walking carefully. And uh, we noted that in verse 15. But this week we'll look at a consistent walk, uh, looking at verse 16, redeeming the time for the days are evil. And I want to look at two main things under this point. I want to look at the principle in redeeming the time and then the purpose for redeeming the time. When you look around today, the common goal that you see people uh, simply uh, living is the goal of living their best life now. In other words, living it up, living the here and now, as unbelievers put it, living uh, to make the most out of life. Live it up, so to speak. And so you see that's the common goal in the world. They don't really have purpose like Christians or true Christians do. They just live from day to day, barely get uh, part, you know, past the day in life and they eat, sleep, wake up, do it all over again with no eternal purpose. And so we see that common denominator, that goal that people have, even so-called Christians today flock to false teachers to hear messages about their best life now, how to live comfortably and, uh, and, and, and live in luxury and, and health and wealth and prosperity. Now, some of these things are not wrong in their place, but when they become your God, that's what's a big, it's a big you know, hindrance, especially to Christians, when we put uh, the th uh, you know, even good things before God. That's why we're told in Matthew 6, verse 33, to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto us. But in Ephesians 5, 16, we're instructed to redeem the time. So we see the principle in this. I mean, by the way, this is one of the ways, as mentioned last week, that we can walk circumspectly, by redeeming the time. I would like to simply explain what this simply means uh, and give you some principles regarding this. But the word redeem means to buy back, to buy back, to purchase, redeem, to buy something back. So how do you redeem time? How do you buy back time? How do you do that? Well, firstly, we can redeem the time by not wasting the time that we've been given, but not wasting time. How do people waste time? Well, they can waste time by overly focusing on the things that don't last. They're called temporal things. By the way, this includes things that do not matter, things that do not matter in the light of eternity. Remember what Paul the Apostle said to the Corinthians? He says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are what? Temporal, but the things that are, which are not seen are what? Eternal. Time wasters are things that do not profit or uh, do not build up. In other words, they're vain in the light of eternity. Okay, so things that are vain and unprofitable, uh, what are they? I mean, let's, let's get practical. Endless scrolling on the mobile phone is a waste of time. Ungodly movies that do not bring glory to God is a waste of time. Wasting time is when people do, uh, you know, not work for a living. They just louse around on the couch, on the bed, and scroll and watch TV and get on the internet and do ungodly things, play video games. And the Bible says in Proverbs 18:9, he also that is slothful in his work is a brother to him that is a great waster spending their time vegetating on the couch, watching YouTube clips that are unprofitable. They're just, you know, it's amazing how many people get views and clicks and likes and a following when they go and do, you know, pranks on people. 
You see people earn thousands of dollars, even six figures, just to make people laugh and people flock to these people. And you've got people, you know, lured into this. And, and sometimes I see it out of curiosity and I'm thinking, this is dumb. This is, you know, this is, turn it off, get rid of it. But a lot of people love it. They love the action-packed, you know, excitement. People in an arena belting each other and fighting and getting their thrills on, on movies that, uh, you know, people are raped and killed. They even buy popcorn and eat it and watch it. This is just a waste of time. I used to live like this. I couldn't wait for the, fir for the next movie to come out that Hollywood produced. I'll, I'll share that with you last week that I would watch some movies back to back and it was a waste of time. And not only a waste of time, but there was a lot of you know, things that I learned that I couldn't undo until I met the Lord Jesus Christ and him renewing my heart and mind. But these are time wasters. Second, secondly, we can uh, redeem the time by making every opportunity count. I believe what, this is what Paul's talking to the Ephesians. We cannot redeem wasted time. So, you know, when time is wasted, we can't buy that back. There's a lot of things that we can lose that we can buy back. But time, you cannot. Once it's gone, you cannot redeem that. So what does he mean then by redeeming the time? Well, it's buying from time. The time that we've been given, we have to make every opportunity count. We've got to use time right. The time that we have, the uh, second and hour and minute, uh, minute and hour and day and week and month and year, we've got to make sure that we're planning in such a way that has purpose and, and, and in the light of eternity. There are some things can be lost and bought back, but time, once it's gone, you cannot buy it back. In other words, we need to make every opportunity that we have with the time that we have count. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, Paul says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore uh, opportunity, he says, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. You know, you only have one life to live. You have one candle to burn. God has given you time and years. And, and with how many years that God has given every one of us, how are we using our time? Are we making the most of what God has given us? Are we taking the opportunity that we have, that God has given us, to, to, to love and serve others, to serve sinners, to serve the saints? Listen, whatever we do in the Lord, in the light of eternity, for God's glory is not a waste of time. Working to survive, to serve God is not in vain. Listen, living for others is not in vain. Loving and serving my wife and family is not in vain. Spending good godly quality with my family and church family is not in vain. Raising up my children in the fear of the Lord is not in vain. Spending time reading my Bible is not in vain. Spending time praying for others so uh, you know we can reach them and see them saved is not a waste of time. It's time invested for eternity. This is what we need to be spending our time with. Things that are meaningful, things that would simply profit, things that are not just, you know, wasting away. I am ashamed as I look back, not only as my unsaved life, even as a believer, of the time that I've wasted, not making every opportunity count. Just wasting time. And that time cannot be bought back. But with the time that I have left, I can serve God, serve others, 
You know, sometimes we live a rush, fast life. We've got so many responsibilities. We look ahead, but we don't make time for those things that count. For example, you've got time to work. That's fine. It's in, good, it's in a good place. You've got time uh, for family, and that's good. That's in, in its right place. But when it comes to reading your Bible, or when it comes to praying or serving the Lord, why do we have so much little time? Why? We rush the things of God to attend to our things. And we think to ourselves, if I'm going to spend half an hour in the Word and pray, then everything else is going to be lacking. But you're wrong. The reason why we are discontented in life is because we don't put first things first. And we're not using the first time that God has given us in our day and in our week correctly. God doesn't cramp our style. Oh, I've got to pray and read my Bible. Man, you know, I'm going to be late for work. Well, get up early. Oh, I'm tired. Well, why did you stay up late watching silly things? See, we've got excuses for everything when it comes to the things of God. Don't we? But when it comes to, uh, you know, the things of the world, temporal things, stupid things, vain things. we got all the time in the world for that. And that's what simply Paul is encouraging his hearers. Don't live in the vanity of your minds like the Gentiles lived. Wasteful lives. No purpose. It's time wasted. You're never going to get that back. It's gone. And so we see, thirdly, we can redeem the time by serving the master and not money. You have heard the slogan before, we work to live, but we do not live to work. There's another extreme. There are people that are not lazy. They're constantly working to make the money. They asked the, one of the richest men in the world, when is it enough? You know what he said? Just a little bit more. There's nothing wrong with work. As a matter of fact, God initiated work. And the Apostle Paul said, if you don't work, you don't eat. But there are some people that are workaholics and they have no time for God, no time for family, no time for others. They've just always got time to make that million. I was living like that also before I met the Lord. So earning six figures, was raking it in. By the time I finished work, I went to bed and started all over again. That's, it's not really a life, is it? It's not, you know what Jesus said, he says this in Matthew 6 verse 20, but lay up your, for yourselves treasures in where? Heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where, where thieves do not break in or steal. Look at verse 24, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Listen, you cannot serve God and mammon. Luxury, prosperity, health, wealth, entertainment, money. We got all the time for, uh, you know, for that. But for, for, for God, the master? Oh. I told you, you used the illustration with my kids. Some, some of them, not all of them, uh, some of them are growing up to appreciate the word of God. When we have devotion times in the morning, they, they, they want to hear, they're listening, they're waiting for the principle so they can remember it. And, uh, and, but there are others that are just, you know, You've got to drag them. You've got to remind them. I don't know. For me, I get excited to see someone that's teachable, wants to learn. I want to keep teaching. Man, I want to go and teach for hours. But when I see that these people are not interested, it's like, man, I can't wait to finish. I, I, I guarantee you, when you're teachable and you're under the word, 
and you're in the word and you're hearing preaching, you, can't, you, can't, you don't want to finish. You, you, you know, sometimes you're probably late for certain things and because you were just spending time in the presence of God. We're going to flip it on its head. We can't make excuses all the time when we get to the things of God, you know, and, 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 and it's a heart problem. Remember what Jesus says, where your treasure is, what are you going to find? What are you going to find there? You're going to find your what? That's where your heart, that's where your affection, that's where your desire is. What a, what a, what a shameful thing that the things of this world take the place of our God. They become idols. In 1 Timothy 6.10, he says to Timothy, for the love of money is the root of all evil. There's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with work. But when you love it, when it becomes your God, when it controls you, I think people can earn a lot of money. People can work hard. People can have a brain that God's given them. Uh, it's, it's what you do with it. It's, it's how you control it. And I believe he has a continued principle in verse 17. He says, charge them and they're Christians that are rich in the world that they not be hide-minded. Look at this. Nor trust in what? Uncertain what? Riches. But in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to... What's that word? Don't feel guilty. Man, I, I, I'm living a Christian life and it's hard and I'm enduring. And there are some things that God allows us to enjoy in their place. Don't feel guilty. Thank God for it. Whether you eat or drink... Well, whatsoever you do, do it all for the what? Glory of God. When I eat, I say, Lord, thank you for this food that you have provided. Thank you for the taste buds that I can enjoy the food. And you know what? I'm going to enjoy it for your glory. God is pleased for that. There are some things that are right in their, own, in their rightful place. But not when they become a God. Not when they take the place of, of God. He says to the rich Christians... And by the way, there's nothing wrong with having rich Christians. What they do with it. Look at this, verse 18. That they do what? They do good. And they that be rich in good works. Ready to what? Distribute. Willing to communicate. And look at verse 19. Similar to what Jesus says. Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come. That they may lay hold on eternal life. What you do for the glory of God on this side of heaven for the cause of Christ... God is going to repay you in heaven. Now, we're not doing it to get repaid. You know, we're not doing it for this interest, if you will. We're not, we're not in the charismatic movement. It's not this prosperity gospel. You know, God will, you know, give to God. God will give you 10 times more like we want to be just... No, we're not even talking on that level. We're living simple Christians that love the Lord. Whether, you know, and, and like we, we heard in the song... I want to hear those words, well done, my good and what? I want to hear that, man. That's treasure to me. He is my mansion. Him, him being seen him face to face, wanting to be with my beloved. He is my mansion. I want to love him. I want to adore him. I want to serve him. And there are some things that get in the way. And we need to identify those things and lay them aside and seek the Lord with all our heart. We need to redeem the time. Notice what Paul says to the Corinthians. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? Why? He says this, For as much as ye know that your labor is not vain in the Lord. Your labor is not vain in the Lord. 
It's not vain. It's not wasteful. It's invested in the things of God. And he says, don't be shaken. Don't be unmovable. Don't, don't, don't. Be steadfast. Or, he, he says, be, be unmovable. Excuse me. Don't, you know, don't move away from that which is good and wholesome and, and in the light of your resurrection. Because remember, we, the resurrection, if you don't believe in the resurrection, what's coming, uh, you know, and God's going to raise you up, you know, if you don't live in the light of that, you, you live carelessly. You don't really care. But he's reminding them that, you know, there is a resurrection and we need to work, we need to labor in Christ, knowing that this work is not in vain. It could be as simple as raising kids for the Lord. You know, you mothers teaching your kids to love the Lord, teaching them bi biblical principles from the word. You know, I mean, there, there is, it, I'll, I'll tell you, a classroom in the home. There's a classroom in the home teaching them to sing to the Lord, teaching them to memorize verses, not for show, not for brownie points, but to honor God. I mean, these things need to supersede the things of what we see in the world. They, they must, but they're boring. You know, the kids, they're not into it. I wonder why. I wonder what are they seeing out there in the world? Their tongue hanging out of their mouth. What are they seeing? Well, the temptation and the luring of Satan putting all these appetites in their faces. So what do we need to do? Tell them that there's something better than that. And it's eternal. Because what you see is temporal. It's a lie. It's fake. And we're going to get there in a moment. But the whole principle of redeeming the time is not to waste time, but to live making every day count, living with purpose, and it's because we do not, you know, the reason for this is because we do not have much time. We don't. Go to Psalm 90. I want you to see this. It's not like we got all the time in the world to waste it. We don't. As a matter of fact, as we're going to see in the Psalm 90, we're going to realize from this that we don't have much time left. We don't. And the psalmist, through the wisdom of God, is appealing to us to be an accountant here, to start recording, crunching the numbers. And we'll do that in a moment. Why? It's important. It's important to realize that in the light of eternity, we don't have much time. We don't. So in this psalm, we see it's a psalm of Moses, and we see it's a sobering account that relates to the brevity of life. Life is short. We ought to live, not excluding God, but making sure that he's preeminent and making sure that we're walking in a way that pleases God every day. So in verse 1, we're going to go from verse 1 all the way to the key verse in verse 12, but we're going to, we just go slowly so we can just get the whole context here. I believe it leads up to something that is convicting and sobering. Verse 1, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place, in all generations. So in verse 1 here, Moses begins his psalm by recognizing that the Lord is the true dwelling place for all people. A place of refuge, a place of rest. Uh, this no doubt depicts a genuine, close relationship in the presence of God. And Moses affirms that fact that he was no doubt dependent upon God because of that. You're my dwelling place. And that brings a whole heap of dependence 
uh, it's an evidence of dependence and, and living an independent life outside of God is dangerous. So Moses recognized that, Lord, I can't live without you. I can't live without your presence. And by the way, did you know that God never made us to live without him? The Bible says all things were created by him and for him. We were created to live with God in the center of our home and heart. And the moment you leave God out of the equation of life is the moment where we see chaos take place. Chaos, depression, anxiety, uh, uh, suicide, divorce, chaos, hurt, pain. Why? And they want to blame God for it. They want to blame God for not intervening in the life they don't want God in. I mean, think about that for a moment. You don't want God in your life and then you want to blame him for the decisions that you make? Now, I don't know about you, that, that's a bit warped, don't you think? Look at verse 2. Moses acknowledges that God is the creator who has always been and will always will be. Amen, look at this, verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever thou hast laid formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. And he is. God has no, no beginning and no end. Before the world was framed, guess what? God was there. And one day when this world will be destroyed, guess what? God will still be there. And uh, God is eternal. Look at verse 3. Thou, hast, they, thou turnest men to destruction and sayest, Return, ye children of men. When a man dies, he'll go back to the dust of the ground. Did you know that? When, when God created Adam, he, he breathed in his nostrils. He created him from the clay, from the dust, but he breathed in, in his nostrils. And the, and, and the Bible says he was made a living soul. You know why we're living creatures? Because of God. But you know what? God can give life and God can take life. We saw that last week, didn't we? So Moses is stating again the sobering reality that death is certain. And the Hebrew writer says the same thing. It's appointed on the man once to die, and after this the what? It's coming. It's coming. Death will be coming for everybody. It's going to be knocking on our doors whether we like it or not. It's coming. It's reality. And we see in verse 4, Moses' knowledge acknowledges the fact that God is outside of time. Look at verse 4. For a thousand years... In thy sight are but a yesterday, when it is past, and as a watch in the night. So a thousand years to God is nothing. You know, back then, before the flood, they used to live up to a thousand years, almost to a thousand years. Well, Methuselah lived up to 969 years. Well, that's a long time. That was before the flood. And, uh, and so in the light of that, that's, that's nothing to God. That's a yesterday. It's, it's for those that work a graveyard shift overnight when you, you know, see the sun come up. You know, that's how a thousand years is to God. It's, it's just, just a little moment. It's nothing. Look at verse 5. Notice what Moses likens the years of life to. Thou carest, carest them away as with a flood. They are as asleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. He gives three parallels here to illustrate the brevity of life. He begins to say that the life spam of a man is carried away with a flood. In other words, the years that man has are nothing to God. They can be swept away 
by a flood. It would take one storm, one storm to wash away man from the face of the earth. And by the way, that one once did in the days of Noah. But even when we see pockets of floods today in certain places, one moment people are bustling, thriving, working, one storm hits, only takes a couple of days, guess what happens? You see on the news, people are actually standing on top of their roof. Their houses are covered. Now, you tell me, what do you think happens to those people? Their life is gone. They worked so many years to buy a house and it took one day and it's gone. That's the life of man, it's gone. One moment you see it, the next it's gone. And by the way, you read the book of Ecclesiastes and you see a lot of that. Vanity, oh vanity, all is vanity. Especially when you live it outside of God. And then he likens it as asleep in the night. The life of man is like a night's sleep. You put your head on the pillow to sleep and before you know it, guess what happens? It's morning time. Does that happen to you? Oh. I need more sleep. Just like that. Just gone. That's life. One minute you're, you're sleeping and next minute you're awake. How fast was that? Well, in the light of eternity, that's what God is trying to get us to think. That life is just, it's going to fly by. It's a, it's a night sleep. And then he likens it to grass. The fresh grass that grows, the green grass in the morning, fades away. Look at verse 5. In the morning they are like grass which grows up. And verse 6, in the morning it flourish and uh, flourisheth and groweth up. And in the evening it is cut down. And what happens when you cut the grass? It withers. It dies, it goes, it's with, gone with the wind. One moment it's blossoming, and it's, in the next moment it disappears, it's gone. That's life. That's our life. James likes, likens it as, if you read the book of James, as a vapor, as like the fog. You wake up in the morning, you see the mist, by the time it hits the afternoon, guess what? It's gone. It's life. Look at verse 7 to 9. Moses acknowledges that life has been cut short because God's judgment upon sinful men. For we are consumed by thy anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. Sometimes you read storybooks for children, sometimes you, you know, they're innocent books, and it begins with what? Once upon a? Once upon a time. That's your life. It's a once upon a time. Now you see it, the next you don't. It's a tale told. It's a story. And we see here that sin is the cause of destruction to human life. Sin is the cause of a short life lived. Life is cut short because of God's judgment upon man. So therefore, do we blame God? No, we blame sin that entered into the world. Sin, not God. And God in his holiness and his righteous indignation, he deals with sin. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is what? 
Death. You know what the penalty for your sin and my sin is? It's death. We, we get paid with death because of our sin. And it's not only, look, listen, physical death. We're all aging and dying. But it's spiritual death. And if you don't receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, guess what happens? It's eternal death. It's death. That's why we have death in the world, because of sin, not because of God. Because of sin. And because of this, we need to know and understand that we must, as God's people, human beings, under God's uh, throne and rule and, 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 and decrees and counsels and everything that he's purposed, must fear him as God. We're not God. He's God. One of the follies of man is living life like as if they're God on earth. You know, that's what Lucifer wanted to be in heaven. He wanted to be like the most, God, like the most high. God says, no, it's not happening. And if God dealt with Lucifer and the fallen angels, he's going to deal with man that just wants to follow after Lucifer and be God on earth. Don't. Take your place. Bow your head and heart. Come before God. Fear him. God is the giver of life. He can, he can give it and he can take it. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's a good place to start. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27, the fear of the Lord, look at this, prolongeth what? Days. But the years of the wicked shall be shortened. And I believe that there's an eternal principle here. Man thinks he's got plenty of time. I mean, you see the teenagers that are rebellious today, they're so brazen and proud. They think they've got many years and God says, you're a fool. Anytime God could take your life. We looked at that parable last week, didn't we? Proverbs chapter 14, verse 27, the fear of the Lord is the fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. What we have to understand is this, that Christ is what God gave so we can escape death and so we can have eternal life. Uh, the wages of sin is death, but look at this, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life. Eternal life. Through who? Jesus Christ. Not through a religion, not through going to church, not through uh, reading your Bible, not through prayer, uh, not through anything of these uh, religious rituals that can be good in their right place, but none of them get you heaven. It's only through the work of Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross. That's the gift of God that is given to us. His son to purchase our redemption and uh, to, to, to get us to pass from death to life. A lot of people think that if they become good, keep the commandments and, and, uh, and, 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 and start being a good mother and a good father and a good this and a good that, you know, they can earn their way to heaven. That no, you cannot. Now, I'm not saying don't be a good father or mother and all of this, but they're not enough to get you into heaven. Why? Because you're a sinner and, and you're in, you're in uh, you know, a spiritual state that is dead. You need life. And good works can't give you that. Only God can. Only what Jesus did on that cross and rose again, that in Christ you are dead in him and be raised in him one day. And that's the sad reality of some people. They're trusting in their own righteousness and, they, and they're, they're going to be paying for it. Now, Moses gives the av average here, the average of our life expectancy. Verse 10, look at this. 
He says, the days of our years are three score years, that's 30, and 10. And by reason of strength, they be four score years. <coughs> Sorry, uh, that, yeah, that's 20, not 30. So three 20s are 60 plus 10 is 70. And by the reason of strength, if you've got the ability to continue on, the grace to continue on, and maybe you've kept your body in good health, you may see four score years, 80. He says, yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we what? Fly away. I don't know about you, but if you live over 80, there's a lot of sorrow, anguish. You lose hair, teeth, you're going, it, there's a lot of pain taking place. A lot of people, I don't know if there's a lot of people, but you see people live to 90 and sometimes 100. But the average is what he's saying is, is about 70 to 80. If you live your life expectancy, your lifespan. Verse 11, we see that Moses is unashamed when he gives his proper viewpoint of the brevity of life. He says this, Who knoweth the power of thy anger, even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. When McDonald said about this, this is, he says this, this much is sure, it should make us value every day of our lives and spend each one in obedience to him in such a way that it will count for eternity. Now, now notice we come to verse 12, the classic verse that relates to what we're talking about. Redeeming the time. Walking a consistent walk in the wisdom of God. Look at verse 12. So teach us, after all this, that we, what we've just heard, so teach us to number our days in the fear of God. Listen, why? Why? That we may apply our hearts unto what? Wisdom. You know what he's saying? Because of all this and because life is short, we don't have long left, and because sin brings forth death, teach us to calculate our days. How much do we have left so we can start living circumspectly, redeeming the time? That's what he's saying. Walk in wisdom. Calculate. Calculate. How old are you, Elisha? How old are you? 12. Take away 80 from 12. What do you get? 68. 68 years. We'll take away 12 from 80. 68 years. Who, who's 40 years old here? Anyone 40? All right. 42. Take away 80 from that. What do you have left? 38 years. 68 years. 38 years. Mate, we're getting... Lower and lower now, aren't we? Uh, Denise, how, take away your age from 80, what are you left? She, by the way, I made sure that she was okay with that. Sorry? 11 years. We're getting lower. 11. Wow. 68, 38, 11. Now, do it to yourself. Me, I'm, I'm about like 30 years. 30 years left? If I live out my life expectancy. Now, I don't think I will. If, if, if 
you know, I continue to do what the Lord wants me to do, I'll probably die as a martyr, probably get shot somewhere. That's okay by me as long as I die in the will of God. But let's just say I lived out 30 years, which would be fine too if that's God's will for me. I would have, you know, continual opportunity to do what God wants me to do. Now, let me say this to you. What did you come up with? How many years do you have? Now think about that. Calculate it. It's not a lot in the light of eternity, is it? You don't have long left. It's the whole point. We're told to number our days so we can start applying our hearts to what? Wisdom, so we can live right. You know when you die? You think these YouTube entertainments, you think that's going to matter? You think your money's going to matter? Your money's going to perish with you. You think that everything that you're trying to build up is going to matter? Here on earth, storing up things? You think it's all gone. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, someone steps up and takes everything that you've worked for. It doesn't even belong to you. Did you know that? You can't keep things. But you know what you can keep? Whatever you do here on earth for God's glory in Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what you can keep. And so start calculating. Okay, Charlie, what, you've got about 30 years? If the Lord tarries, I'm going to start walking circumspectly. And we get to the next verse in verse 17. Don't be unwise, but know what the will of the Lord is. I'm going to start knowing what God's will is and living it. We're going to get to that next time we, we, we continue the series of pursuing, finding out what the will of God is and now pursuing that. That has purpose. Spending my time and energy, my life and everything that I have, fulfilling the will of God. Why? Because that's what's going to last. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Look at verse 17. And the world, what happens? It passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abides forever. The will of God never goes, by the way, against the word of God. Never. Isaiah makes that clear. In Isaiah 40, verse 6, the voice said, Cry. And he said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodness thereof is, is of the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it, it's gone. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but look at the word of our God shall stand forever. And you know what? If you have the word of God abiding in you, guess what happens? You will abide forever. Peter says that very clearly in verse 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 22. Seeing that you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with what? Pure heart. How? Fervently. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth how long for? Forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is of the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower uh, thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which was by the gospel is preached unto you. So my question to you is, 
Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your saviour? And if you have, you will abide forever. You won't waste away. You won't be like the ungodly that are gone like the chaff of the wind. You'd be like that blessed man in Psalm 1-1, like David. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And look at, look at, and his leaf shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now we're talking about pure prosperity in the light of God's word, not the way we see in the world. In the gospel, in Christ, we see that God gives life to the lifeless. Jesus says, I've come not to destroy man's life. He never came to destroy it. But he came to give them life. The thief cometh not but to steal and kill and destroy. He says, but I've come that you may have life. And they might have it, look at, more abundantly. You know how do you have the abundant life? By trusting Jesus Christ as your personal saviour. Because you know what? You die without trusting Jesus Christ as your personal saviour, you're gone. So I believe in Jesus. Yeah, I believed in Jesus here for 24 years. Not until I believed in Jesus here. I realized I was a sinner. I realized that my life was all vain without him. I was living in religion, in hypocrisy, and in sin. And I realized he was my, I was in sin, but I realized he was my savior. And 21 years ago, I called on the Lord to save me from my sin. And you know what he did? And uh, I, I have the joy of the Lord. I know if I die right now, I'd be with the Lord. Nothing, as I mentioned in the beginning, nothing in this world can give you the joy like God can. Everything is vain outside of Christ. Everything you do outside of Christ is vain. It's not going to last. It's life, but it will, it's going to go with the wind. It's, it's gonna, it, but Jesus gives abundant life. In him, there's true life. Living life without Jesus and without having a real relationship with Jesus Christ is all in vain. Now notice as we close the purpose for redeeming the time. It's very short. We, have not, we don't have long left. He says, redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are evil. What leads us to this urgency to live a consistent walk, to walk in wisdom? What leads us to this? Knowing that the life that we live here on earth is evil. I mean, look around you, brethren. We're living in a wicked world. Listen to me very carefully. God's patience is running out. It's running out. The world is flipped on its head. They call good evil and evil good. And we know as we read the scriptures in 2 Timothy, it prophesies that we live in, we're going to live in perilous times and I believe we're living in those days and they're only going to be increasing and men shall be lovers of their own selves, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. 
People would despise those that are good. There'll be no more natural affection. The love of many will wax cold. Man, you know, do you see true love in the world? No, I see cold. People are cold, hateful, selfish. I don't see a lot of Christians. I don't. They have a form of godliness, but deny the, deny the power thereof. There's a lot of fakes and phonies. There are people in the world that masquerade. They look the part, but they're not the part. Man, they can backshap you anytime. They, they're like Judas. The worst thing that I believe that can happen to someone is betrayal. And we're going to have a lot of that as we see the, the days unfolding. Betrayal. Friendships. Betrayal. Marriages. Betrayal. It's the worst thing. Kids turning against their parents. Parents against their kids. We're going to see it. And we do see it right now. Why? Because of the truth. Because of Christ. You think it was evil back then, 2,000 years ago. What about now? It's getting bad. And you know what that means? When the Lord returns, He's going to destroy everything. The ungodly and the world with it. Everything is going to be rubble. Everything is going to be destroyed by fire. Like you did with Sodom and Gomorrah. Everything. You live like you're going to live forever here on earth. You've got it wrong. You're going to die one day. You're not going to live on this earth forever. You're going to die one day. And if you live to see the return of Christ, guess what? If you're not, if you're not a Christian, you're going to be destroyed along with the world. It's going to be, it's terrible. This is the purpose why God wants us to redeem the time because it's coming to a head. It's coming to a head. We don't have time to waste on the internet. We don't have time to waste playing computer games for the rest of our lives. We need to do the will of God. We need to love uh, the, the, the people of God, the sinners and our families. And life is not a joke. It's real. You know what makes it real? One day you're going to be on that deathbed. One day you're going to be lying on your deathbed and nothing will matter. Nothing. And you've got Jesus as your shepherd. Guess what? You can say, though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he is with me. And thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a beautiful thing it is for a Christian, but what a terrible thing it is for that person that is stiff-necked and bucks against God and turns his back against his son. What a terrible thing. It's terrible. Look what Peter says as we close. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord a thousand years. And a thousand years is one day. You heard that before? It's nothing. Like a day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness. But, but his long suffering to us would not willing that any should perish but all come to what? It's against God's will and against God's heart that people die and go to hell. But you know why people die and go to hell? Because they didn't spend their life 
worshipping God, believing on His Son. They love their sin more than the Saviour. They love the creature more than the Creator. Look at verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall, be, shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. And notice verse 11, the purpose. In the light of that, how do you think Peter's encouraging, encouraging us to live? Look at it. Look at Look. Seeing then that all these things shall be what? Dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Knowing that one day, everything that you see is going to be dissolved and burnt up. How shall you live? Well, I believe you live working circumspectly. Redeeming the time for the days of evil. Seeking what the will of the Lord is and fulfilling it. Look at Psalm 39 verse 4. Lord, make me to know my end and the measure of my days. What is it? That I may know how frail I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as a hand breath. It's nothing. And my age is as, here it is, nothing before thee. Verily, every man at best state is altogether what? Vanity. Vanity. Brethren, you know what your life is? It's this dash. See this dash? That's your life. Now, I'm being optimistic here. To see 76 years old, something like that, I'm telling my age, my age, like I said, I might die before that. But if I do, I'm asking the Lord to take care of my widowed wife and my children. I'm happy to go in the, in early, as long as it's in the will of God. Stephen did. He was a martyr. But if I were to see my life expectancy, this is your life. It's a dash. That's all it is. And what you do with that dash, what you do with your life here on earth will determine, will determine, listen, if you brought honour to God or honour to yourself. How did you live your life? Did you live your life according to the will of God, bringing glory to God? Or did you live it trying to bring honour to yourself? You got that little dash to work out how you're going to live. What are you going to do? You're going to spend your life mandering with things and complaining and or you're going to live your life walking in wisdom. Walking a consistent walk. I'm for enjoying the things of this life in their right place. For as the as the wisdom writer said in Solomon for every season, every time, there's a season. There's a time to play, time to work, time to eat, time to sleep, time to die. There's a time for everything. I say to my kids, listen, you got free time now, but that free time doesn't happen when you wake up and when you sleep. They want free time all day. They want to play with Lego all day. They want to play basketball all day. 
Man, eating and drinking and playing. Eating, I said, no, there's a time to work. There's a time to sleep. There's a time for everything. We've got to redeem it. We've got to be disciplined. If we're not, we're just wasting our lives. We're wasting it. We can't get wasted time back. It's gone. So what's the purpose of this? We need to renew our minds. Start thinking God-like and realising, hey, listen, I've got 30 years left. If I get to see 30 years, Charlie Haddad, how are you going to live your 30 years from now? How? I'll tell you how I want to live it. First and foremost, God has called me to be a Christian. First and foremost, I want to live to honour God with the life that I live as a Christian. My relationship with God is first. And then comes my wife that God tells me to love and honour her. By the way, it's found in Ephesians 5. So I want to live my life serving my wife and loving her as Christ loved the church. I want to make sure that her needs are not neglected. They're cared for physically, spiritually, mentally. She's, she's taken care of. That's my, one of the greatest responsibilities. There comes my children. I want to make sure that they're nurtured in the Lord. They hear the gospel. I'm going to be in their face, helping them love the Lord. Yeah. That's my responsibility. Spend time with them in the, in the right place, not on the expense of the things of God. And then comes my occupation and calling as a pastor. And by the way, my ministry with my family is not at the expense of my calling, nor is my calling at the expense of my ministry. They go hand in hand. In other words, I can minister with my family. Amen? We can, I, just hearing my son this morning pray, Father, for his food, but then he said, Father, give us a good time with God's people today. I was just walking past, I said, yeah. Give us a good time with God's people. What a prayer to pray. God's people. Hey, I'm going to the house of God where God's people are found. That brought joy to my heart. That he, was only, he wasn't only praying that he, for his food, but he's praying and realising that we're going to be with God's people. Now, I don't know about you, but that brings joy to my heart. That my kids are excited to see God's people. And then my ministry to sinners. Do the work of an evangelist. Go out and tell people about Jesus. That's my responsibility. And you know what? Do I do it perfectly? No. Things get in the way. And when they do, I'm disappointed. And I break. And I say, God, please forgive me. I don't want to waste time. I'm sick of this. I could have spent my time with my wife. I could have spent my time going out soul winning. I could have spent my time with my kids instead of wasting time on this. You realise we've got so much time that's wasted. We can't waste it. We've got to redeem it. And I believe with God's help we can. If you love the Lord, you want to please the Lord, you want to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Oh, I so long to hear that. I think that would be my worst fear. That I lived this life and I didn't hear those words that I displeased my father. 
May God help every one of us have a consistent walk. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.